PGTTCM is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com and FoundItemClothing.com. Look cool and keep warm this fall. Strap some Cthulhu slippers to your feet or and wear a cool shirt from your favorite cult films. BunnySlippers.com and FoundItemClothing.com. Check out the website at PGTTCM.com and the RSS feed at PGTTCM.Podbean.com. And remember to rate review and subscribe to PGTTCM on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Greetings, listeners. It is I, Lobelia Wallace Spitzer, here to talk to you once again about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature, or things that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. Help support the show through Patreon, PayPal, or Amazon. Donate $1 or $5 via patreon.com slash pgttcm. Donate what you wish at paypal.me slash pgttcm. Or go to the Amazon link at pgttcm.com and shop as you normally would. Just last month, the show made $0.84 cents by directing you to Amazon to shop. Here's what you bought. A two-pack of Advent Breast Pump Bottles. Uh, PGTTCM.com and PGTTCM.Podbean.com. And I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a couple days after Thanksgiving. Well, of course, so happy Thanksgiving in the past. Yeah. Happy late Thanksgiving. Happy late Thanksgiving. Or as my family does, Thanksgiving dose. Yes. And, yeah, happy late, late, late Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners. Yeah, a month late. Kingsport is a fictional town in the writings of H.P. Lovecraft and used by subsequent writers in his tradition. The town first appeared in Lovecraft's short story, The Terrible Old Man. Kingsport is based on Marblehead, Massachusetts, a town bordering Salem. Lovecraft created Kingsport because he saw its real-life model. When Lovecraft visited Marblehead in 1922, he became enamored of the town and wrote with much feeling in 1929 concerning his experiences there. Lovecraft wrote of seeing the snow-covered town at sunset and of experiencing his first stupid glance of... Marblehead's huddled and archaic roofs. He also remarked that that instant about 4.05 to 4.10 p.m. December 17, 1922 was the most powerful single emotional climax during my nearly 47 years of existence. That's H.P. Lovecraft's 47 years of existence. In Lovecraft's fiction, Kingsport, is located in the United States to the southeast of the fictitious Arkham and corresponds geographically with the town of Marblehead, Massachusetts. Lovecraft's alter ego Randolph Carter grew up and lived here. According to later writers, the town was founded in 1639 by colonists from southern England and the Channel Islands. It soon became a seaport and center for shipbuilding. Influenced by the Salem witch trials, the town hanged four alleged witches in 1692 during the American Revolutionary War. Uh, in, in 1692. During the American Revolutionary War, the port was briefly blockaded by the British when the town's merchants turned to privateering against the British fleet. 
In the 19th century, sea trade dwindled and the town turned to fishing as the main industry. Kingsport's economy continued to dwindle into the 20th century and today relies primarily on tourism for income. The Terrible Old Man, 1921, the eponymous eponymous resident of Kingsport lives on Water Street near the sea. The festival, in 1923, the unnamed narrator is summoned to Kingsport to participate in the strange ceremony held by his distant relatives. The dream quest of unknown Kadath, 1926, Narlethotep expresses admiration for Kingsport's antediluvian architecture and marvelous seacoast. A moving conclusion to the novella takes place here. The Silver Key, 1926, Randolph Carter has tracked back in time to 1880 when he glimpses Kingsport's old congressional steeple on Central Hill and realizes that the old church had been torn down to build Congressional Hospital. The Strange High House in the Mist, 1926, college teacher Thomas O'Neilly meets Olini? Olini? Thomas Olini? College teacher Thomas Olini meets the lone occupant of the eponymous dwelling, which lies atop a high cliff on cliff on Kingsport's coast. The case of Charles Dexter Ward, 1927, John Merritt mentions Kingsport and the strange rites he had heard were performed there. The Thing on the Doorstep, 1933, a teenaged asnath Wait attends an all-girls school, the high school in Kingsport. The town was mentioned in Robert Bloch's short story, Notebook Found in a Deserted House, and the Illuminatus Trilogy by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson, and appeared in An Evil Guest by Gene Wolfe. The original draft of Ramsey Campbell's The Church in High Street was set in Kingsport before August Derleth persuaded Campbell to rewrite the story in a British setting, the town of Tempville. Or Temp Hill. Enough about, <laughs> enough about Kingsport. Hi, Daniel. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? And do you want to talk about Audible? Uh, do you want to talk about Audible? I love talking about Audible. Talk about Audible. Okay, well, Audible is a streaming service that I use for listening to audiobooks. Uh-huh. They have over a million books. I don't know. They have over... 75,000 books. I think it's over 180,000 books to It's a from. lot of books. It's a lot of books. Listen, I haven't listened to them all. They've got um, all of my favorite books, including... Yeah. Um, and McCaffrey's Dragon Song, uh-huh. and it's one of my old, old favorites. They've got American Gods, which I'm listening to right now by sure. Neil Gaiman, um, not just a TV show. Yeah. I, they've got a book I read recently called The Wickle, Wicked Boy by Kate Summerscale. Uh-huh. It's a true crime novel that takes place, um, it's like actually the novelization of a real events. It took place back in the 1800s in London. It is really good, and... All these books are available to me wherever I want them, mm-hmm. and um, I can listen to them from device to, v- to device and pause them and pick them up somewhere else. It'll be in the same spot. And also, the beauty of audiobooks is that you can listen to them while you do other things, so you do not have to give up being immersed in a story to be able to do your life. Especially as a mom, it's really nice to be able to listen to a book 
while I'm doing anything else. Cool. So uh, tell <laughs> okay. us about what it's like to use Audible, because you oh. actually use Audible. I really all the do. Time. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It's um, you download the book to your phone or whatever device you want to download the book to, and then it's available. And they have this great streaming uh, download thing where you can start the download and it will be ready to listen to within five or six seconds. Cool. So the, the whole book isn't there yet, but you can start it up right then. And um, it's really smooth experience. They have excellent, amazing readers, good audio quality, really good books. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And the searching, um, the search, uh, the ways that you can search for new books are really well done too. Cool. And we have a audible trial that you can, uh, <clears throat> you can help support PGTTCM.com yes. <laughs> by going to audibletrial.com slash PGTTCM and signing up for audible. When you sign up for Audible through us, we get some money and you get a free book. Yeah, free books. They're the bomb. Yep. And you can browse all the books that they have and check them out and listen to them for free. And you get to keep what you buy and buy what you keep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, the books belong to you. Yes. You can also return them. Yeah. If you don't like them. True. Or don't bought something by accident. It's a really smooth return policy or... Um, and let's see, what else? Uh, they've got a ton of science fiction, a ton of horror, a ton mm -hmm. of cosmic horror. If you want to check out Clark Ashton Smith, Ramsey Campbell, H.P. Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, any of the guys that we talk about mm -hmm. in this show. And, yeah, Basically so anything more. else you might want. Totally. Yeah, they've got all the books that you are, are embarrassed to pick up at the bookstore. Yep. <laughs> and they've got all the books that are um, books that you just want to listen to because they're comforting. All the books that are, like, too intense to read um, by yourself. Mm -hmm. You listen to them on your iPhone or your iPod while you're in a restaurant and you're not alone. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to get so loud. <laughs> no problem. All right, so check out Audible Trial dot com slash pgttcm and get your free book the terrible old man it was the design of angelo ricci and joe kasniak and manuel silva to call on the terrible old man this old man dwells all alone in a very ancient house on Water Street near the sea, and is reputed to be both exceedingly rich and exceedingly feeble, which forms a situation very attractive to men of the profession of Messrs. Ricci, Kasniak, and Silva, for that profession was nothing less dignified than robbery. The inhabitants of Kingsport say and think many things about the terrible old man, which generally keep him safe from the attention of gentlemen like Mr. Ricci and his colleagues, despite the almost certain fact that he hides a fortune of indefinite magnitude somewhere about his musty and venerable abode. He is, in truth, a very strange person, believed to have been a captain of East India clipper ships in his, old, in his day, so old that no one can remember when he was young, and so taciturn that few know his real name. 
Among the gnarled trees in the front yard of his aged and neglected place, he maintains a strange collection of large stones, oddly grouped and painted so that they resemble the idols in some obscure eastern temple. His collection frightens away most of the small boys who love to taunt the old man about his long white hair and beard or to break the small paned windows of his dwelling with wicked missiles. But there are other things which frighten the older and more curious folk who sometimes steal up to the house to peer in through the dusty panes. These folks say that on a table in a bare room on the ground floor are many peculiar bottles, in each a small piece of lead suspended pendulum-wise from a string, and they say that the terrible old man talks to these bottles, addressing them by such names as Jack, Scarface, Long Tom, Spanish Joe, Peters, and Mate Ellis, and that whenever he speaks to a bottle, the little lead pendulum within makes certain definite vibrations as if an answer. Those who have watched the tall, lean, terrible old man in these peculiar conversations do not watch him again. But Angelo Ricci and Joe Kasniak and Manuel Silva were not of Kingsport blood. They were of that new and heterogeneous alien stock which lies outside the charmed circle of New England life and traditions. And they saw in the terrible old man merely a tottering, almost helpless gray beard who could not walk without the aid of his knotted cane and whose thin, weak hands shook pitifully. They were really quite sorry in their way for the lonely, unpopular old fellow whom everybody shunned and whom all the dogs barked singularly at. But business is business, and to a robber whose soul is in his profession, there is a lure and a challenge about a very old and very feeble man who has no account at the bank and who pays for his few necessities at the village store with Spanish gold and silver minted two centuries ago. Messrs. Ricci, Kasniak, and Silva selected the night of April 11th for their call. Mr. Ricci and Mr. Silva were to interview the poor old gentleman, whilst Mr. Kasniak waited for them and their presumable metallic burden with a covered motor car in Ship Street by the gate in the tall rear wall of their host's grounds. Desire to avoid needless explanations in case of unexpected police intrusions prompted these plans for a quiet and, uh, and unostentatious departure. As prearranged, the three adventurers started out separately in order to prevent any evil-minded suspicions afterwards. Messrs. Ricci and Silva met in Water Street by the old man's front gate, and although they did not like the way the moon shone down upon the painted stones through the budding branches of the gnarled trees, they had more important things to think about than mere idle superstition. They feared it might be unpleasant work making the terrible old man loquacious concerning his hoarded gold and silver, for aged sea captains are notably stubborn and perverse. Still, he was very old and very feeble, and there were two visitors. Messrs. Ricci and Silver were experienced in the art of making unwilling persons voluble, and the screams of a weak and exceptionally venerable man can be easily muffled, so they moved up to the one lighted window and heard the terrible old man talking childishly to his bottles with pendulums. Then they donned masks and knocked politely at the weather-stained oaken door. 
Waiting seemed very long to Mr. Kasniak as he fitted, fidgeted restlessly in the covered motor car by the terrible old man's back gate in Ship Street. He was more than ordinarily tender-hearted, and he did not like the hideous screams he had heard in the ancient house just after the hour appointed for the deed. Had he not told his colleagues to be as gentle as possible with a pathetic old sea captain? Very nervously, he watched that narrow oaken gate in the high and ivy-clad stone wall. Frequently, he consulted his watch and wondered at the delay. Had the old man died before revealing where his treasure was hidden? Then had a thorough search become necessary? Mr. Kasniak did not like to wait so long in the dark in such a place. Then he sensed a soft tread or tapping on the walk inside the gate, heard a gentle fumbling at the rusty latch, and saw the narrow, heavy door swing inward, and in the pallid glow of the single, dim street lamp, he strained his eyes to see what his colleagues had brought out of that sinister house which loomed so close behind. But when he looked, he did not see what he had expected, for his colleagues were not there at all, but only the terrible old man, leaning quietly on his knotted cane and smiling hideously. Mr. Kasniak had never before noticed the color of that man's eyes. Now he saw that they were yellow. Little things make considerable excitement in little towns, which is the reason that Kingsport people talked all that spring and summer about the three unidentified bodies, horribly slashed as with many cutlasses, and horribly mangled as by the tread of many cruel booted heels, which the tide washed in, and some people even spoke of things as trivial as the deserted motor car found in Ship Street, or certain especially inhuman cries, probably of a stray animal or migratory bird, heard in the night by wakeful citizens. But in this idle village gossip, the terrible old man took note. <clears throat> but in this idle village gossip, the terrible old man took no interest at all. He was by nature reserved, and when one is aged and feeble, one's reserve is doubly strong. Besides, so ancient a sea captain must have witnessed scores of things more stirring in the far-off days of his unremembered youth. All aboard! All aboard the Arden Express! London. Paris. Sophia. Milan. Venice. Constantinople. Yogsothoth.com presents Horror on the Orient Express. A role-playing adventure from Chaosium. Featuring award-winning role players from an award-winning website. May I introduce the MPK-45, one of our newest machine pistols. My company makes these, you know. Fine. Will it stop one of these? Ah! Recorded in CD quality. In binaural surround sound. Horror on the Orient Express. A classic campaign for Call of Cthulhu. Coming in 2007 from yogsathoth.com Some of you may know that I am a big fan of the Cthulhu mythos. You, you may have caught that. You may have caught the fact that I also not only like reading the stories, I also like to play the role-playing games when I can, which isn't very often. And because of the fact that I have a hard time getting a group of friends together, I sometimes like to listen to other people play role-playing games, and some of you out there do as well. I know this because I've talked to some of you. One of my favorite and earliest known recordings of people playing role-playing games is stuff from about like 2004, 2005, 2007, and it's the Bradford players out of the UK, um, specifically from 
yogsothoff.com, one of my favorite websites that really cemented my love of the Cthulhu mythos and kind of became a one-stop shop of where to get things that I liked, uh, dealing with the Cthulhu mythos, dealing with role-playing games, dealing with books, dealing with audio, all kinds of stuff that were, it was accessible. I didn't have to search so much. It, it's, it was kind of like I could find what I wanted. I just had to listen to Yogg Radio, and it was a great podcast. I listened to it probably starting around episode, I want to say, 13 or so. I really enjoyed the show, and I wish, I wish, wish, wish that they would have just good old Yogg Radio back. Nowadays, they have a Patreon scheme where you know, if, uh, oh, it's not a Patreon scheme so much as it is just kind of a membership. And to listen to their episodes, you have to be a member. I'm, I'm no longer a member as I don't really make enough money to kind of just toss at podcasts anymore, unfortunately. And as a podcaster, I understand that. And that's a little frustrating. But one of these days, I'll get a real job and I'll be able to listen to uh, Yog Sothoth again. But... But, and this is a big but, I am lucky enough to have a audio recording they did a couple years back for the 10th anniversary of uh, yogradio.com, and this is a audio CD. Uh, actually, it's not an audio CD so much as it is audio files printed onto a DVD. And it contains horror on the Orient... The Horror on the Orient Express and Masks of Naralethotep. Lovecraftian Tales from the Table. H.B. Lovecraft, the 20th century master of horror and weird fiction, inspired many followers with his tales of the Cthulhu mythos. Besides fiction, there have been films, toys, and of course, the games. This award-winning DVD-ROM features the recorded audio... Uh, tales of tabletop role players as they play through the two greatest campaigns of all of Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Join the Bradford players in their epic and miss mm, the epic adventures and misadventures through horror on the Orient Express and masks of Narlethotep. Role-playing games have been around for many years. People getting together take part in games of their imagination. Whether fantasy, the far future, horror, or any setting you can imagine. So come, pull up a chair at the, Blad at the Bradford player's table and see just what these fun games can be. Besides the game recordings, this jam-packed DVD-ROM contains interviews with the likes of horror writer Ramsey Campbell, Lovecraftian scholar S.T. Joshi, game designers and adventure writers, as well as props, trailers, music, and a quick start guide to the plain Call of Cthulhu so you and your friends can start to play your own games. And more. This DVD was made in celebration of 10 years of YogSothoth.com and over a quarter century of Call of Cthulhu role-playing games. And this is a really, really, really good product. Um, some really great illustrations, some really fun stuff in there. There's bits and pieces of the old Yog Radio uh, if, if you live in the UK, you can buy it used for um, $198 uh, squiggly L. Um, I believe that's pounds. I'm not quite sure. I don't really know. 
um, because I'm a dumb American and I don't have to know. And I'm sorry that I've taken that stance on it. But, yes, I don't know. I, I yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, Lovecraftian Tales from the Table. Uh, each episode's generally anywhere from about an hour and a half to two hours. And if you can't go and download Lovecraftian Table Tales from the Table, I highly recommend that you just go to yogsothoth.com and go to their downloads. They've got all kinds of just really cool, fun downloads with all of their past stories, past games that they've played, all kinds of props. If you play Call of Cthulhu, they are an amazing source. Their forums, if you've ever had a question about Call of Cthulhu, there's a lot of people who design games for Call of Cthulhu. There's a lot of people who play Call of Cthulhu. There's a lot of people who know a lot of stuff about writings of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and weird fiction authors in general. So if you wanted to uh, do something, know something, learn something, yogsothoth.com. Just check it out. Google yogsothoth.com. All right, enough of that. Uh, time to end the show. So let's end the show. I don't know if some of you remember, I out on social media, I sent out a request for anyone to talk about the Cthulhu mythos. Mm, yes. And, you know, it's also a chance to plug any project you're working on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Sarah, you've read uh, quite a bit of the Cthulhu mythos stuff for us. Yes. Uh, do, do, you, do you have any project you want to plug? No. Okay. Well, hey, there. how about how about that awesome podcast you're part of? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, part of this great podcast. It's called People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Oh. If you haven't heard of it, you should check it out. I thought I thought th thought you had that podcast, Yarn Chat. Yarn or, Chat. Or home, Homemade Loom. <laughs> Spinning in real time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So uh, on with the show. Yarn chat. <laughs> Thank you for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. This has been uh, Daniel Spitzer and Seraphie. Yeah, Seraphie and Daniel Spitzer. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and I hope you learned something about Kingsport, and I hope you liked our reading of The Terrible Old Man. So you did a great job on that. It was really fun to read. Yeah, that's a spooky, spooky old guy. Well, I like that it's it's got a real, like, sardonic, like, oh, don't miss with us. Don't mess with us. Yeah. We're... You know, we might seem daughtery, but man, New England's got sleeping depths. Okay, let me tell you about the part that I kind of thought was kind of shitty, though. Oh, yeah, do. Okay, so you have, like, ooh, us, uh, us white people. Oh, yeah. You know, us, us genteel uh, descendant of British folk, un un unlike you. Yeah, no, I totally picked Silvas that up. Silvas and you, you know, you, oh, yeah, you, you foreigner types. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. It they was... didn't know that not to mess with the terrible old man because of the fact that they were foreigners. Yeah. Basically, part of the, quote, diaspora or whatever, mm -hmm. or the heterogeneous. Heterogeneous, yeah. I was like, oh, man. Gross. H.P. Lovecraft. You creep. Totally creepy. <laughs> Ugh. I feel like we should have a sugar warning in the beginning. Yeah. Be like, careful, there is some racism in this story. Yeah, well, no, this is nothing compared to other stuff oh, in H.P. Well, Lovecraft. Yeah, but You're it reading still the exists. Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> I am reading the Cathal of Cthulhu, where there's already been mentioned a nautical Negro, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. 
Uh, it's been brought to you by BunnySlippers.com and, and found, found, item clothing. Yep. Found, other, find, found Item Clothing. Found Item Yeah. And help support the show, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash PGTTCM and you can sign up to donate a buck or five every month. And every once in a while I'll throw out a treat for people who I don't know, subscribe. Oh, oh, oh. Self-addressed stamped envelope. Oh yeah, send a self-addressed stamped envelope too well uh why don't you try and message uh, us message us on social media and tell us your uh email address or something like that and i'll send you an address for a still self-addressed stamped envelope because i don't want just anyone hearing my address and we'll send you stickers yeah we'll send you stickers yeah yep and uh anything else you think that we need to talk about um if you want your uh business project whatever to be heard why don't you contact us about reading something for the show we've got some oh, more yes. parts of the three imposters by arthur Mackin that we need read and if you have a short story that you've written or you have poetry or anything like that or you want to read some public domain mm -hmm. stuff anything in the public domain read it for us we will put it on the show if it is good yeah and uh Edit it well. Edit it well. You know, you can edit it. We'll edit it. Whatever. And we'll mm -hmm. put it on the show and plug your stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how uh, you got to find out about Blastro Podcast and Mark Soloff. Woohoo. Yeah. And yeah. So thanks again for listening. And we'll be back in about a week or so with a regular episode. Yeah. So, yep. All right. Thank you so much. And have... I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving weekend and didn't get too stuffed on turkey. <laughs> Stuff that turkey. Yep, yep. All right. Bye. Oh, um, also, uh, remember to stay squiggly and keep it weird. I keep Peace forgetting that. Peace the Middle East, war in the central core. War in the central core of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good one, y'all. Ciao. No, 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 no,